We'll be in Mark chapter 10 today. We're going to go ahead and wrap up chapter 10 um, this morning. And this morning is going to be an interesting passage of Scripture. In fact, it's going to be a dangerous passage of Scripture. Um, It's dangerous because there's going to be two ways to read this Scripture. There's going to be, and, and I want to explain what I mean by two ways to read something. I think there's always typically multiple ways to read something. Give you an example. Um, in Bible college, I, went, I went, did a semester in Jerusalem and we, I came to a place and there was a sign and there was two ways to read this sign. The sign just on its face read, danger, minefield ahead. So there's two ways to read that sign. The first way you could read it was don't go past this point because you might step on a mine. The second way and the way that I read it was throw some rocks into this field and see if you can see a cool explosion. Um, and that's what we did. And we, so we were throwing rocks in the field. We never actually saw an explosion. So we were wondering if that might've just been a decoy to keep people out. But um, we never found a mine. We weren't gonna, we weren't gonna test it with, our, with ourselves. We were throwing a lot of rocks. Um, but there's two ways to read things. And this morning we're gonna read a passage of scripture. There's gonna be two ways to read it. We can read it through the lens of the gospel or we can read it through the lens of religion. Um, and so I wanna read it and then point out the two ways to read it and then read it rightly. There's a right way in a wrong way to read this passage of scripture, like most passages of scripture. So we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And it says, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. For the last year at the Grove, as I preach, I've been trying to get across that Jesus alone is the hero of scripture. He is the main character of scripture. And so we can read this passage and we can read it under the lens of religion and we can say Bartimaeus is the hero of this passage. He had, he had the right kind of faith. He called the right thing. He, he did the right stuff. And so Jesus healed him. Or we can read it through the lens of the gospel and we can say Jesus is the hero of this scripture. Jesus is the one who is the main point of the scripture. And all throughout scripture, we're gonna have that choice of how we read. Are we going to read with, with um, earthly characters as the heroes of the Bible, or are we going to read it as Jesus as the heroes of the Bible? And this isn't just in the Gospels where you have Jesus actually being there, but even as you read the Old Testament, so you read the story of Joseph and how he suffered, you have a choice. You can read that about Joseph and how he suffered and how you're going to go through sufferings, or you can read it about what it's really about, about Joseph and how he suffered and how Jesus is going to suffer. But just like God used Joseph's suffering, he's going to use Jesus's suffering to save the world. And so to save his people. You can read the story of Moses. You can look at Moses and say, man, like I can be like Moses if I just have faith and I trust God, even with, with weaknesses like a speech impediment, I can be used by God. Or you can look at Moses and you can say, Jesus is the greater Moses. 
And then you can start to apply Jesus to yourself, but not Moses to yourself. You can't apply Joseph to yourself. You can, you can look at Christ and say, I'm supposed to be Christ-like, but we never want to look at Scripture and say, David's the hero of David and Goliath. I can be like David. No, you can't be like David. Jesus is David. Jesus slays the giant. And so we read this scripture. My prayer this morning is we're going to read it with Jesus as the hero. And so Jesus um, is marching to Jerusalem. And on the way to Jerusalem, they stop by Jericho, which is out 18 miles outside of Jerusalem. And they, as they're leaving, something happens. A man begins yelling for Christ, begins yelling for Jesus. Um, and everyone is, is, is telling him to be quiet. It says, but many rebuked him. They told him to hush. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone's telling him to be quiet. He's saying, you're embarrassing us. Stop it. Don't do this. He's like, you're, you're, you're just a blind beggar sitting by the roadside. And see, blind people would oftentimes sit by the roadside of, of um, popular cities like this because it was a good place to get money. It was a good place as, as people were going in and out of the city. If you were there begging, it was a really good place to get money. Oftentimes, you may see this in, in, in today's culture where you have people asking for money outside of Walmarts um, on intersections on the street um, and things like that because it's just a, a busy place. And so that, that's why this man's out there. You have to imagine, read this like a real story. So this man is here. He's hearing all this commotion. You have Jesus walking, all these crowds, this, the great multitudes are following him and he's hearing all this, but he can't see it. So maybe he asks, what's, what's going on? And someone tells him it's Jesus. He, he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth. So he starts calling out and people tell him to hush. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Jesus is too busy. And here's the reality. We have to think about what is Jesus about to do? Jesus is marching to Jerusalem. Why? to pay the ransom for many. So Jesus is pretty busy. He is on a mission. He is marching towards the salvation of all who would believe. So Jesus has every reason to say, I don't have time for this. I'm going to go save all my children. I don't have time for this. So everyone tells him to hush. But after everyone tells him to hush, he cries out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears it and he says, call him. It says, it says in, in scripture, it says, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Like the son of God, the son of David, the, the living God, he's walking towards the salvation of all who would believe. He's walking towards the climax of human history. And you have this blind man begging him. And, and instead of continuing to march to what this blind man's greatest need is, he stops. He just stops. At that moment, the son stood still and said, call him, go get him. And so they go get him and, and they say the same people maybe who were saying, um, hush, they're now saying, take heart for he is calling you. And so it says, it says Bartimaeus, he threw off his cloak and he, he, run, he springs up and comes to Jesus. And here's the interesting part about that. Again, I don't want to make Bartimaeus the hero, but I, I just found this. As we read the Bible, we're going to get really weird, um, oftentimes seemingly strange facts. Uh, and and it's, it's really cool because these facts tell us things. And, and one of the reasons why C.S. Lewis struggled so much with, with being a non-Christian was because when he read the Bible, he, he would say, it doesn't read like normal literature. 
like, like a, a, someone who made up a story wouldn't put weird facts. They wouldn't put lineages in the front of books. They wouldn't, they wouldn't write things like um, Bartimaeus's name. Because here's the thing, Bartimaeus, this is the only miracle Jesus does for a stranger that has the name of that person in it. So there's just weird facts. And the fact that he's, he threw off his cloak, I just found interesting because a blind man throwing off his cloak means he's never gonna see that cloak again. Like he can't go back and find it. Like he can't see. So he'd be just stumbling around looking for a cloak the rest of his life. So he was getting rid of that cloak. And Jesus, but G, the reason why Jesus is still the hero, we're not looking to be like Bartimaeus, is because at that point, Jesus had already called him. And Jesus' calling enabled him to throw up everything that hindered him. And he sprung up and he ran to Christ. And he gets to Christ and Christ says, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And see, this is an interesting thing because we've heard this question once before. In fact, we heard this question last week, right? So James and John come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, please, like, just, we're gonna ask you this question. Just do whatever we ask. And Jesus' response is, what can I do for you? What do you want from me? And so he asked the same question to Bartimaeus, but Bartimaeus' answer is completely different because these last three stories in scripture all run together. You have the rich young ruler who wanted eternal life at little cost, you have James and John who wanted power and glory at all cost. And you have this blind man with all he wanted to do was see again. All he wanted to do was see again. And so he asks Jesus for, to regain his sight. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. At the beginning of that sentence, this man couldn't see. And by the end of it, he could the beginning of this sentence, this man was blind and he couldn't see Jesus. He couldn't see the trees. He couldn't see the sky. He couldn't see the people who had told him to be quiet. But at the end of this sentence, he could. And the Bible tells us he doesn't go his own way. Like Jesus said, he follows Christ. He follows Jesus along the way. And maybe a lot of scholars believe the reason why his name is in here is because, is because he may have become a prominent figure in the early church in Jerusalem. And so Mark wrote his name down because you could go and find this man pretty easily. You go look for Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, which is um, redundant because Bar means son of, so Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So Mark kind of said that twice. Um, but the reason why he said it twice is because he's writing this book to non-Jewish people and they wouldn't understand Bartimaeus meant son of Timaeus. So Bartimaeus goes and he begins to follow Jesus. And today it's going to be pretty short, probably. I want to just take this story. I want to apply it in two ways to our lives today. Um, and I want to apply it uh, to us personally as Christians, and I want to apply it to everyone, um, Christians and non-Christians alike. So I think the first thing we, we see like this is, 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 is in our pursuit of sanctification, in our pursuit to be more like Christ, we can read this story. We need to see how Christ reacts. Christ is not too busy for this man. I think oftentimes we're like the people who, sit, who told them to be quiet. Like we go our way and, 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 and God puts people in our life and he puts people in our life and we think to ourselves like, oh, they wouldn't fit in at church. They, 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 wouldn't, they couldn't like Jesus. Like they would, they would look different. They, would, they cuss too much. They do this too much. They're, they're just a different kind of person. They're not gonna want to hear about my Christ. They're not gonna wanna hear or come to my church. And so we, we, we just avoid these people. Like Jesus doesn't have time for them. We mustn't be like that. We, we need to look at the most undesirable people in our culture, undesirable, and know that they need Christ and Christ welcomes them and Christ is 
calling those people. Jesus was going after the outcast, the undesirable. So when, when we as a family, as a church family, as individuals pray for, for God to send us into the world, to send us to Spruce Pine, to send us to Mitchell County, to Yancey County, we, we're praying for God to send us to the, the undesirable. And we can't look at people and think, oh, they wouldn't fit in, so I'm not going to reach out to them. They, they would look weird. They wouldn't like the kind of music we listen to at church. They wouldn't like uh, sit and pre- hear preaching. They wouldn't want to hear about Jesus. They wouldn't want to come to dinner with me. They wouldn't want to have coffee with me because just, we're just different. That's not what this is about. Like, we hear people wanting to come to Christ. They're open. They're, they're people of peace in your life, people who are open to your faith, and we can't just shut them out because they're different because they're the outcast, the undesirable. We should engage and spend time with these people, even maybe more so than people who we're most like. Even more so than people are most like. And all of us right now at this moment who are Christians, we have people of peace in our life. What I mean by people of peace or a person of peace is someone who's kind of open to faith. Maybe they wouldn't even claim that they're a Christian, but they're just not living a life that would show that they're following Christ. They're not following him on the way like this blind man was. And so we have those people in our life who aren't enjoying Christ. They may claim to know him, but they're not enjoying him. They're not in a relationship with him. And those are people in our life, no matter what they look like or who they are, are people we should engage with and not tell to be quiet and hush and not tell our spirit to, no, that's not the person I need to reach out to. That's not the person I need to reach out to. I need to find someone who's more like us, more like me. That doesn't exist. That just doesn't exist. We are going, we are reaching the ends of the earth So he shouldn't be surprised by who God is sending us to. He's sending us to the messy, the broken, the downtrodden, the people who need Jesus. He didn't come, Jesus didn't come for the well, but he came for the sick. And so we're going to be sent to the sick. We're going to be sent to the people who look different, who um, act different. And it's going to be messy. God could be putting someone on your heart right now and don't dismiss that moment. Don't dismiss that, but enter in. Go be a part of God's calling in your life. Go invite them to church, invite them to dinner at your house, have coffee, listen, learn about their life. And here's the easiest thing. You wanna open up conversations. You wanna learn about someone. There's one question that 90% of the time someone will open up and just share their life with you. You just ask this person, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? What if you asked your neighbors, how you could pray for them? What if you take someone from work, from coffee, and you had coffee and you just ask them questions and listen to their life and at the end just ask, you know what, like how can I pray for you this week? What kind of, how, would that, how would that change your relationships? How would that open conversations about Christ and his life? I told you to be short today. So closing, the other way I want to apply this is that not only should we be willing to go to the undesirables, but we need to understand that Christ has come to us. That, that Christ isn't too busy for you and your problems. That even though sometimes it may look like God is up to much bigger things than you, he cares about the most intimate details of your life. He cares about what's going on. He cares about the struggles you have with your spouse. He cares about the exhaustion you feel from raising children. He cares about the problems you have at work with your coworkers. He cares about the most intimate details in your life that on the way to ransoming many, the son stood still to reach out to one blind man 
and give him sight again. And Jesus is doing the same thing here and does the same thing throughout eternity is he calls you to come to him and he asks a simple question, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? But here's the thing, what is your answer gonna be? What is your answer going to be to that question? What do you really want from Christ? As we close this section of Mark, where now we're going to, next week we're gonna get into Jerusalem and we're gonna see really Jesus start, the, the story start accelerating all the way to the cross and the resurrection, but we're closing this chapter of Jesus' ministry and it closes with this story for a reason. It closes the story. The, the, this, this middle section of Mark opens with Jesus healing a blind man and closes with Jesus healing a blind man for a reason. And that reason is about discipleship, is what do you really want from Christ? Do you want him or do you just want his stuff? Do you want the stuff that he can give you? Do you want the family you think he's, he wants to give you? Do you want the children that he wants to give you? Do you want the job that you think he wants to give you? Do you is that what you want or do you want him? Do you want eternal life at little cost? Do you want power and glory at all costs? Or do you just want to see the face of Christ? And that's the question. So when Jesus is calling you, he's gonna ask you a question. What do you want? And the reality is, and the hope is, that you would just wanna see his face and enjoy him more. Because isn't that what this is about? Like, like seeing Christ's face should bring so much joy to your life that all those things don't even matter anymore. That you have all that you need in Christ. You don't need the job. You don't need the car. You don't need even the family that you think you need because you have all the family, all the worth, all everything you need in Christ. So this morning, as I close um, and we sing a couple songs, Jesus is all that we need. And so when he asks that question, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? Let it be, I just want to see you more. I want to enjoy you more. I want to glorify you more with my life. So we'll sing a couple songs and then I'll come up and close us in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I uh, come before you, Lord, just thankful for your word, God, that we can read the Bible, um, and it can speak into our lives, Lord. I pray, God, that today, Lord, as we go through the rest of this day and the rest of this week, Lord, that uh, we would just remember that you've called us as Christians to uh, a mission that's greater than us, Lord, to engage in the lives of those around us, God, the people you've placed in our lives, those persons of peace, Lord, regardless of how they look, um, physically, socioeconomically, Lord, or, or where their status is in our society, Lord, that you've called us to these people. I pray that we would enter in and engage in the mission that you've put us on, God, regardless of what we think this person might want. We'd spend time with, love on, and bless those around us, God. And we would remember or hear the calling of Christ even for the first time, Lord, that your son asks, what do you want from us, for me? What can I do for you, Lord? And I pray, God, you begin to, con or continue even to work into our hearts, Lord, that we just want Christ, that our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. It's not in my job or my circumstances, Lord, but it's in Christ. And that our answer would just be, we want to know him more in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering, God. 
And I pray, God, that you would just uh, do a work this week, Lord, um, as those of us in steps, Lord, continue the assessment, God, that um, we would just really just shine light in the darkness um, and that we would be open about our sin um, and our life, that we may be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Father, I love you, and I thank you for bringing these people here, Lord, to um, be a part uh, of worship as a family here this morning, God. And I pray that you would bless them and be with them as they go throughout the week. And I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.